You're listening to the College Football Coast to Coast Show. Here are your hosts, Jacob and Tyler. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to College Football Coast to Coast. It is uh, second to last week, really, uh, for us to talk about the regular season of college football. Uh, and Tyler, we're going to break it down, you know, starting off with this past week, uh, some crazy games. Once again, uh, another really good weekend. I don't think it was as good as last weekend, uh, but I think it was pretty close. But uh, it it uh, started with some great games, and the first one is in the ACC. Uh, North Carolina traveled to Wake Forest. I highlighted this game uh, a lot in last show, and I said this is going to be a very key game for a rank 15th uh, North Carolina Tar Heel team that uh, hasn't faced too much so far this year. So this is kind of the first big one. And uh, they took care of business late in this game, Tyler. And uh, I thought for a minute that Wake Forest might pull it off at home. Yeah, this was, uh, you know, Wake Forest actually played like the Wake Forest team that we're really accustomed to, you know. Couple of weeks, you know, it's been a couple of weeks, you know, that we were talking about this team, you know, going back to that Louisville game where they threw uh, eight interceptions uh, in, in that game. And, but this was the game that we were all circling, you know, North Carolina was heading on their way to the ACC championship game. This was pretty much a de facto championship game for them. If they win this one, uh, then they move on to, to Charlotte to face uh, Clemson. That's exactly what happened. But, this was a, a star quarterback battle in the making. You know, Drake May on one side, and then you had Sam Hartman on the other. May had three touchdowns. Hartman had four touchdowns. Uh, so I said uh, last week that this was going to be a high-scoring uh, shootout. That's exactly what it was. I think that the defenses had their troubles. You know, Josh Downs uh, had a good game, uh, the receiver for North Carolina, as, you know, this was a big year for North Carolina. You know, last year was the year that they were supposed to – you know, to win the ACC, you know, especially with the veteran quarterback that they had and the returning talent, but they just had a down year last year. I think that the expectations got to them. And then this year, no really, no one really thought that they were going to win the Coastal Division. Everyone was all saying that it was going to be Miami-Clemson, but Miami was having a down year this year. So North Carolina, with this win, uh, you know, locks up the Coastal Division, will uh, head on to Charlotte to face Clemson. So it should be a good one in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it should be a great one. I'm hoping uh, North Carolina can pull it out for the sake of my ACC pick uh, once again. But uh, great football game here. Of course, North North Carolina pulls it out 36-34 on the road at Wake Forest uh, and looking forward to a really good week next week. Moving away from the ACC to our next game, we're headed to the Big 12, I believe, uh, and that is number four TCU headed to Austin, Texas, uh, the big Texas clash here. I mean, uh, TCU wasn't supposed to be that team this year, and turns out they are uh, being at number four. So, you know, the Horn Frogs are for real and going into to Texas and actually playing some quality defense uh, and getting a win. I mean, this is something that we are not accustomed to, you know, in the Big 12 is a 27 uh, total points scored in this game. You know, 27 points is normally what one team scores. Uh, at half, you know, in, in the Big 12. So this is very different. Uh, TCU looked like they handled business, uh, were able to run the ball. I think that's the difference, was TCU was able to move the ball with the run while Texas struggled to run the football. Uh, turnovers played a big role into it. Late turnover, um, I'll let you talk a little bit about that, but a late turnover really uh, cost this game for Texas. But uh, good win for TCU and Sunny Dykes. I think this is uh, a step in the right direction for them to go 12-0 and this year. 
Yeah, the Texas offense was stifled, like you mentioned, that late turnover pretty much uh, sealed the deal. Quinn Ewers uh, threw a late interception. Uh, you got to give credit to both defenses. I mean, this was a defensive uh, battle for four quarters. Uh, you know, this is not the type of, of football that we're accustomed to here in the Big 12. Usually, you know, we're seeing 42 to the 38 type of games. Uh, so this was nice to see. You know, this is uh, a Big 10 score that you're seeing uh, in the Big 12. But there's a lot of critics uh, that said before this, you know, that TCU, you know, were a bunch of frauds and, you know, how their schedule was. You know, like every game that they played, the backup quarterback had to come in. Uh, this game, though, uh, Quinn Ewers played for four quarters and the TCU defense really stifled him. You know, I said going into this game, if TCU is going to win this one, they have to stop B. John Robinson. And that's exactly what happened. And I think that's one of the main reasons why that TCU was able to win this game. B. John Robinson only had 29 yards rushing and Quinn Ewers only had 100, 133 and didn't have a, a single passing touchdown. So uh, TCU's offense, uh, you know, wasn't great. You know, it wasn't perfect as well. Their running game, they relied heavily on that. And then, you know, Max Duggan had a touchdown as well. So, uh, you know, it wasn't the game that we're accustomed to, uh, but TCU, you know, was able to score when they did. You know, they re- at one point they went up like 17-3 to and you're pretty much, okay, this this game's over. Texas's offense, you know, hasn't found an identity for four quarters. So really good win for TCU uh, as they officially clinch a spot in the Big 12 championship. Whoever they play still yet to be decided right now. It would be K-State. So uh, TCU is really in the driver's seat. You know, if they win out, they'll be uh, in the Final Four for the college football playoff. Yeah, I think it'll be another great game like we mentioned. Uh, I think last show, you know, it'll be a great game there with TCU and K-State again facing off uh, for a Big 12 title. It would be excellent. Battle of the purple, like we said. And Tyler, you're wearing that purple hoodie today, so it fits in well. Yeah, well. Uh, but moving from the Big 12 to the other big, we're going to the Big 10. Uh, kind of a... The, this was the best game in the in the Big Ten this weekend, which is pretty sad. Um, aside from a Maryland and Penn State game, which was a blowout, um, Purdue goes to to Champaign, Illinois, and and they take care of business. I mean, you know, this is the wackiest division, uh, probably in all of college football right now because you just don't know what's going to happen week to week, uh, and who's going to be there in the end because every team there is about the same, same caliber wise until. You know, we see what happens in a couple of years. But, uh, you know, for Purdue to get a win on the road against a good Illinois team, uh, it speaks volumes to what they uh, have decided to do late in the season. And uh, I I think, you know, a lot of it's attributed to Aiden O'Connell and and what the offense was able to do. I mean, this is the most offense I've seen them put up and and muster in the last, I I don't know, four or five weeks. So, uh, this seems like a step in the right direction for the Boilermakers. And for Illinois, I mean, back to the drawing board, you got a big game. Like we mentioned last week, you got a big game. You're going to Michigan next week, uh, or, you know, later this week. And, uh, you know, you really got to hold your own there in some cold weather. So, I mean, they have an opportunity to still beat a really good Michigan team uh, if their defense steps up. Uh, but as far as Purdue goes, I mean, they've got the head-to-head now. So they're kind of heading the west side of the division. I would like that because I picked Purdue uh, in the preseason. But uh, whenever Purdue faces off, uh, you know, if you have a number next to your name, they're going to play their A game. It's like every year that, you know, we saw them, you know, the Ohio State years and then the upset of last year, Michigan State and then Iowa. But, you know, Purdue was an up and down team. Illinois, you know, has, you know, started off the season very hot, but now they have some question marks. Uh, 
I mean, their defense was playing lights out. And then, like, to, like on Saturday, they absolutely get exposed on the run. Uh, you know, there was a battle of the running backs here. You know, Chase Brown did go down with injury. But in the end, you know, he did have 98 yards and two touchdowns as well. And Tommy DeVito had an okay game. I think that's really what's bogging down this Illinois offense. You know, they can run the ball, but they just can't really find that, you know, that they're open receivers. Uh, so, I think that there's definitely a lot of question marks setting into uh, the big house uh, matchup against Michigan. They they pretty much have to win that or their Indianapolis hopes uh, might already be dashed, especially, you know, with Purdue facing off. And, you know, we have, you know, Iowa and then Minnesota facing off uh, this weekend. Uh, so whoever wins that uh, could also be a test. So who knows who's going to win the Big Ten West? I've been saying that for weeks. You It could be one team and then it could be in the another team the next week. So this was a huge win for Purdue. Uh, you know, whoever comes out of the Big Ten West, good for them. But like I've been mentioning, uh, whoever wins that side of the division, I don't really see ha- having a really good time against uh, the winner of Ohio State and Michigan. But still a good win for Purdue, but a lot of question marks for Illinois that needs to be answered. Yeah, speaking of good wins, we're going to the Pac-12 here. Uh, the Washington Huskies travel to Eugene, Oregon and pull out a win uh, in one of the toughest places to play in Austin Stadium. Uh, let me tell you what, the weather was crappy, as we expected. It sucked. But uh, Washington, you know, goes in and beats a Oregon team that's been firing on all all cylinders. Uh, but I think here's the problem. I, I, I will say that we were wrong about this game, I, I you know, but uh, you know, I'll admit it. But at the same time, you know, Oregon really hasn't played good talent in the Pac-12 in a few weeks. Uh, and it's shown because they put up a lot of points, but defensively, I mean, a terrible. I mean, it's just it looked like Big 12 football, uh, but they played terrible defense. I mean, you were holding teams uh, to just a couple, two or three touchdowns a game, but to give up 37 uh, to Michael Penix Jr. in this offense uh, is unacceptable uh, from an Oregon Ducks standpoint. I mean, 37-34, and Washington forced turnovers. I mean, that's what they used to do years ago when they were that team that was, you know, fighting for that fourth spot in the college football playoff. You know, they forced turnovers, and that was the name of the game for them, just pressure, pressure, pressure. And uh, they got after Bo Nix and forced him in some some wild throws in this one. Yeah, I was half right in this one. On the sports scramble, I did have this as my upset alert pick, uh, but whenever we looked at this game on Monday, I did uh, pick Oregon outright. I just wasn't really confident uh, in Washington. I knew that this was going to be a robbery game. It was going to be close, and it ended up coming down to the final to the final minutes. You know, Washington, you know, trailed in this game. It was a back-and-forth battle like it always is, uh, but Washington was able to kick a late-game field goal, and, you know, what a game for Michael Penix. You know, he had two touchdowns. I know he had a turnover, but 408 yards passing against this Oregon defense uh, is really something. We haven't really seen that since uh, Stetson Bennett in the season opener. And, you know, Bo Nix had a good game. You know, he had two touchdowns, and, you know, not the Heisman numbers that he's been putting up. But like you mentioned, you know, Oregon, you know, I know that we've been giving them hype, but they really haven't played anybody. In a couple of weeks, you know, they, they just faced Colorado, who, you know, who's the dumpster fire of the Pac-12. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I know it's at home. And then next week, you you can't really get ahead of yourselves. You have Utah coming to your place. So that's just, you know, that could be back-to-back losses and really kick Oregon out of the Pac-12 championship. Uh, so this loss really affects them. I know that they only have one loss uh, in the conference. Uh, but, you know, the way that USC has been playing, 
the way that Utah has been playing, you can't really afford a loss, especially this late of the season. So this was definitely a, a big hit. You know, Oregon right now is definitely out of the, the playoff discussion. You know, they would have made it if they would have, you know, went out. But you can't really forget that loss in, in, in week one, 49-3. That's just a really bad loss. I know it's the number one team, but you just can't really – lay an egg uh, early on in the season, but a good win for Washington. You know, they're, they're sitting at eight and two right now and they're like, not so fast. We can be uh, in Las Vegas too. Yeah. I remember the atrocious start that this Huskies team got off to, to start the season. And we thought that they'd be in the bottom tier of the PAC 12, like they have been in the last couple of years. So, uh, you know, a big step for them in that, in that Husky team uh, for Oregon back to the drawing board for another season. Because uh, they're virtually out of playoff contention, still alive for the Pac-12 championship, uh, but you are out of contention, you know, for for a uh, national championship at this point. Uh, moving away from the Pac-12, we'll head back down to the Deep South. Uh, Alabama headed to Oxford, a cold one in Oxford, Mississippi. Here, I saw a lot of people bundled up there. Uh, number nine, Alabama. It feels good to say Alabama's at number nine here because uh, it hasn't happened in a long time, but. Uh, you know, give some other teams some opportunities there. But uh, number nine, Alabama, uh, the Crimson Tide head to Oxford. They pull out a 30 to 24 victory over the Ole Miss Rebels, who are at ranked 11. Uh, I tell you what, back and forth game here. Whoever finished with the ball last, I think, kind of was uh, the victor in this one, other than, you know, Ole Miss not being able to convert. Uh, too much pressure. Um, I think this is the best I've seen Alabama secondary play all season. Uh, they did a pretty good job defending the pass. As far as the run went, still couldn't defend the run. Uh, there's holes in that Alabama defense still, even though you get a win here. Ole Miss just looks sloppy. Uh, it just kind of looked like the LSU game. They just couldn't find uh, their rhythm in this one. And being at home, that's a problem. Um, so I, I think that uh, – you know, for this one, Ole Miss really shot themselves in the foot uh, with this. You know, they had plenty of opportunities in order to take advantage and take over this game and win, you know, 33-30 is an option in this one, you know, or even a 31-30 uh, is an option here, you know, and you hand Alabama back-to-back losses for the first time since 2013. So, I mean, you know, it really does seem like uh, Ole Miss is right there. Kind of with the LSU thing, you know, LSU is is right there. Um, but this is yeah, a sloppy loss for Ole Miss. Should have won this game in Oxford. Yeah, it's a definitely a tough loss. I mean, Ole Miss was still, you know, contention, you know, to to run the table for the SEC West. They just really needed to root for an LSU loss. Uh, but now with the Alabama win, uh, LSU moves on to Atlanta. But you know, going to this game, this was the tale of the first half and the second half. You know, Ole Miss gets out to a seventeen to seven lead, and I'm sure everyone in the country is like, is Alabama really going to lose three losses? before the Iron Bowl, which hasn't happened uh, since the 2010 season. So that would have been a story itself. Uh, but in the end, Alabama, you know, every time that they lose a the game, they always uh, respond. But I think, you know, Ole Miss on the offense, they played a really good game. Their defense has been limiting, limiting them, you know, and their only loss to LSU. They really got exposed in the second half uh, when the Tigers dominated them. Uh, but this was the, the tale of the two uh, running games. And even for Alabama, you know, we didn't even see Jameer Gibbs step up on the field we haven't really heard of you know what happened was it an injury was it just rest uh, but uh mcclellan was able to you know to step up in the backup role get 91 yards on the ground then quinchon junkins you know old miss we knew that they could run the ball 
Uh, we just didn't know how good, you know, and effective that they could run on this Alabama defense. And they did just that. You know, Junkins had over 100 yards uh, rushing and two touchdowns. Uh, but Bryce Young, uh, the way that he's been playing uh, is really the main reason why Alabama won this game. You know, Ole Miss was a, wasn't able to really get pressure off him. And whenever they got close to him, he did his little shimmy move, uh, do a little pump fake. He was able to find Ja'Cory Brooks uh, for the in the end zone. So, uh, and then you got to give credit to Alabama's uh, field goal kicker, Will Reichert. He was able to be automatic, you know. I know that we've, for years, you know, Alabama hasn't been able to find that consistent kicker, but they definitely find him in Reichert. He, he's probably going to go on to the NFL and be a really soft kicker. But this was definitely a much-needed win for Alabama. Now they, they'll finish the season fairly easily. I mean, both they get both of their home games, Austin P. They'll probably win that one convincingly. And then Auburn. We already know about that team. You know, Cadillac Williams is a good story, uh, but we know that they're not good of a football team this year. So I think that Alabama will be in 10-2 and and be in contention uh, to go to the Cotton Bowl. So still a really good season for Alabama. I know it's not the, you know, the Alabama of uh, of the past that we're seeing, you know, the college football playoff and the national championship. But if you're outside of Alabama, you know, if you're not an Alabama fan, then you definitely want you definitely love to see the parody going on. But still, if you're an Alabama fan, you still gotta be content uh with a ten and two season and a trip to either the Sugar Bowl or the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, I, I think uh from our standpoint, it's a good season, you know, on paper by Alabama for those Alabama fans in that probably uh, not. Alabama Alabama fan base, you know, I, I think uh it's it's a tough season for them. Uh and Nick Saban as well. So I, I, I feel like uh this is a good time to take it outside of the power five to the group of five, especially uh, to the American conference where you had number 22 UCF uh, travel to Tulane to take on the green wave. Uh, let me tell you what here, this right here was the tale of whether Tulane was going to be the top group of five team and get that opportunity there, you know, and be that, that really good team outside of the power five and uh they get beat by a ucf team that looks like they play musical chairs every weekend and uh it's really tough to gauge them in in what they do uh they've had bad losses on the road and it's set up nice for tulane that's why i figured tulane could take care of business here uh i really didn't have them on on uh upset alert type thing and and this really was one of those i mean they think I think they really should have handled business, especially at home. I mean, your two loss, your two losses come at home. That's the tough part about it. Uh, you lose to a bad Southern Miss team, and you lose to a up and down roller coaster UCF team. Uh, you know, both close margins uh, to lose by, but it it, uh, it really is tough to see that happen. I mean, I think it was a matter of time. I would have been shocked had Tulane, you know won 10 games this year i think it's kind of crazy to think that or or 11 games so uh i think it was it was in due time but i feel like ucf uh really needs to find their identity still i mean a good win on the road but they need to figure it out fast yeah the big question mark looking at this game last week i know we were targeting at ucf you know on the road you know they have they've got blown out you know by louisville had a bad loss against east carolina and we know that they're a better football team at home but now that they showed that you know that they could be a formidable team uh, on the road you know they got out to a 24 to 7 lead you know Tulane was able to make it close in the fourth quarter but it was a little too late you know Tulane's defense 
uh, just couldn't have any answers against John Ross Plumley. I mean, he's a dual threat quarterback for a reason. He beat you through the air and then also with his legs. I mean, looking at Statline right now, he had 16 carries, 176 yards, and two touchdowns. That's no quarterback numbers. That's some like RB1 numbers uh, right there. So uh, the former Ole Miss product, John Ross Plumley, had a good game as well. You know, like I mentioned, Tulane just too slow of a start. I mean, you can't start off that slow against a Gus Malzahn coach. Uh, you got to give it to him, you know. The program that, you know, he built up at Auburn before he got fired and then he, you know, goes and to UCF, you know, really, you know, UCF with Scott Frost, you know, was one of the great group of five teams and then they don't really skip a beat uh, with Gus Malzahn. So, yeah, this is uh, definitely a big upset for the group of five perspective. You know, we it was, we were all hinting, you know, oh, two lanes just uh, walking the park. They're going to make it to the New Year's Six. Now, who knows who's going to make it to the New Year's Six? I mean, there's a plethora of teams. I know that there's going to be three teams uh, ranked. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if Tulane is still in the top 25 of the college football playoff. I'm sure UCF will probably flop, flip-flop with them to 17. You know, do we see a Coastal Carolina emerge in the top 25? Do we see a South Alabama move up uh, since they're 8-2? and two? So, there's definitely, you know, some teams uh, still in the mix. Uh, so I would not count out not only UCF, but also, you know, the Sunbelt teams as well. Yeah, there's a lot of good teams there in the Sunbelt, one included there in the top 25 we'll get to later. Uh, but you know what? It's a good time to get our first sponsor of the show. It is Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company. If you guys want to check them out in Houston over at H-Town, uh, Chet holds it down over there for us from the Sports Grimble podcast. And uh, he was having a little pregame beer last night uh, during the show, a little light uh, percentage alcohol in, in that one. Uh, he seemed to be enjoying it, so we're going to have to get some of that soon. I know we're trying to set up to go out there and do a show uh, here in the new year. So uh, if you guys want to stick around, see all that content there. Uh, and if you guys want to check out any of their beer, uh, as Chet does pretty often, you guys can head over to www.buffbrew.com. That is www.buffbrew.com. Tyler, getting to our games of the week. First in the ACC, we got two really good games here. Uh, no ranked matchup really to look at this week. Um, first one being the NC State Wolfpack. Um, taking a loss last week, they're headed to Louisville to face off uh, against another team that's up and down on a roller coaster ride all the time, uh, so I, I think it's um it's going to be an interesting one. I think this is the close game, uh, only because both of these teams seem really close together. I think the difference is Louisville at home. I think that's the uh, the problem for NC State here. I think they take back to back losses uh, because of the way the schedule stacked up. Uh, there's no reason they should have lost last week, and uh, you know. Going into another week here, they need to bounce back, but I don't think it comes against uh, a Louisville team that looks unstoppable at home this year. Uh, so I'm going to roll uh, with the Cardinals. I'll take them 34-27 uh, to 27 in this one. Yeah, very bad loss for NC State last week, uh, losing to a 2-7 and seven Boston College team uh, that was pretty much uh, in the gutters uh, of the ACC. You know, NC State – had everything going for them, and then it, it just sucks that Devin Leary had to suffer that injury. He's out for the year. It's just like this NC State offense doesn't have an identity uh, without him. You know, their defense has been phenomenal, but, you know, you can have, you know, the best defense in the world, but you got to be able to put up some points. Uh, and you know, they lost by one to Boston College. Uh, so that was definitely, uh, you know, a shot in the dark uh, for them. But, you know, Louisville, like you mentioned, I feel like every year 
there's always talent on this team, but they just can never put it together for, you know, like a nine win or a 10 win season. You know, they haven't done that since the Lamar Jackson era, but I trust Emily Cunningham and that offense more than I do right now with NC state. I, I definitely think that NC state will be able to, to put up more points than they did against Boston college, Louisville's defense, you know, their secondary has some holes, uh, but in the end, uh, this is in Louisville, Kentucky. So I'm going to go with the Cardinal. Uh, I think that they want to get this big win uh, before they face their rivals to close out the season in Kentucky. So I'll go 34 to 31. I'll give it to uh, the Cardinal over the Wolfpack. Kind of a close score there but for both of us there, a touchdown and a field goal in that one. Uh, Syracuse is traveling to Wake Forest next on the schedule there. Uh, you know, Wake Forest, a close loss uh, last week and uh, coming in against a Syracuse team that has fallen apart uh, ever since that loss against Clemson, and uh, this looks like it might build into this one. Uh, so I'm going to take the Demon Deacons at home. Uh, they look a lot better on offense, uh, absolutely, and, and I just think that uh, it's time that Sam Hartman and that offense gets a, gets a good quality win here, um, and I think it comes against a decent Syracuse team uh, that just lost a lot of momentum with some mm-hmm. losses, and uh, I think that'll play into this. So I'm going to take – the Demon Deacons. Uh, I'm going to go 27 to uh, 17 in this one. I, I think that it's only because of Wake Forest defense. I think they can step up. Syracuse struggles to move the ball if they can't run the ball. Um, so I think that's the difference in this one. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, Syracuse had everything going for them. They were number 16, and they were, had every chance to beat Clemson. Their offense could just could not score in that second half. Uh, you know, Wake Forest had seen uh, – they're on a loosened skid right now. I think they end that here. I just feel like looking at this matchup, they're definitely a better football team. They have the advantage at quarterback. You know, Garrett Schrader has been okay. He's been able to win some games for Syracuse, but that's a team that relies heavily on the running game. Like you mentioned, if they can't get going, then it's going to be very hard. Uh, so I think that, you know, both defense will rise to the occasion. But in the end, I'm going to trust uh, their arm of Sam Hardman. And this one looks like he's rolling. You know, he's he missed the first uh, weeks uh, uh, w- with uh, a blood clot that he had. Uh, so I think that, you know, Wake Forest is going to finish the season uh, pretty good, you know, on top. Not on top of the division. They'll probably uh, finish second place uh, in the Atlantic behind uh, Clemson. So I think that Wake Forest will win this one. I'll go 28-20 uh, to 20 to defeat the Orange. Yeah, so Tyler and I both picking the Cardinals and the Demon Deacons in the ACC, uh, moving away to the Big 12. Uh, Some good ones here. The first one is number four, TCU. They're still there in the top four, and we hope they stay there. They're headed to Waco to face off against the Baylor Bears, who have stuck around uh, a little bit here and there to see uh, what's going to happen. They're peeking through the windows. Uh, So I I think that – TCU can take care of business pretty easily here in Waco. I know it's a tough place to play, but TCU looks bigger than that, um, especially with their win at Austin, Texas. So I think that uh, the Horn Frogs can take care of business here over the Bears. I'm going to go uh, 42 to 31. Uh, I think TCU's defense has a lax game. Uh, they had a great game last week, but I think this one, they kind of dial it back and let the offense take over a little bit. Uh, so I think uh, I think that'll probably be uh, a pretty medium to high scoring game, I guess. Uh, you know, in the Big Twelve. And it's crazy to think that you know Baylor was the team that started the preseason. You know, in the top ten, they you know they last year we know that they beat Oklahoma State 
in the Big 12 championship, they have a lot of high hopes going into this year, and they just fall flat. I mean, last week they get absolutely embarrassed at home against Kansas State, 31-3. to Their offense couldn't get going. And, you know, Dave Aranda, you know, is known for his good defense, but his defense just got flat out torched by Adrian Martinez in the passing game, and then Deuce Vaughn was able to get as well. So, glaring signs. Uh, and then for TCU, I think you just got to keep your emotions in check. I know that was a big win on the road in Houston. I mean, not in Houston, and in Austin, excuse me. Get mixed up on the cities there. Uh, but I think that I just can't pick against the Warren Frogs right now. They're one of the hottest teams uh, in the country. I think they get it done. I'll go 31 to 14. I think they, they make a statement to the playoff committee that they are definitely warranted at that number four ranking. So I'm going to go with uh, TCU. Yeah. And then our second game in the Big 12. Oh, well, Chet says, uh, better watch out, Baylor. Uh, TCU can play some defense. Uh, might be a lopsided victory. We yeah, I think so, Chet. Yeah, I think it really could be a, a lopsided victory. I think 31 points I'm given for for Baylor is pretty generous. But, uh, yeah, could be a big win for TCU. And like Tyler said, I think it really uh, really could stake their claim to be uh, inside that top four when the season ends. Uh, but our second game here in the Big 12, Texas, the Longhorns are headed to Lawrence, Kansas, to face off against the Jayhawks. Uh, I, I think this is an interesting game because – I think Kansas is paying attention to what la- happened in last week's game. Uh, mark my words, I mean, Kansas can score the football still. And uh, I think Texas looks like they're struggling uh, against mediocre to bad defenses uh, to score the football, especially at home. So I think I'm going to take the home team here. I'm going to take Kansas. Uh, I think the Jayhawks get a win here, uh, a big one, even though Texas is not ranked anymore. I still think uh, – I think Kansas could take care of business at home. Uh, it'll be a somewhat close game only because these teams are really closely matched, I think, still. Uh, so I'm going to go 34-31, and I'll take Kansas. Yeah, whenever Kansas, you know, has been in the dumpster, all the other teams have been blowing them out. But that one team that they beat has always been these Texas Longhorns. There's just something about this Texas-Kansas matchup. And the way that Kansas, you know, has been playing, they just coming off a loss at the Texas Tech. You know, they did not play good on defense. So – I think this is going to be more of a high-scoring battle. You know, Texas definitely has the advantage on the defense, but I think uh, the way Bean has been playing, I've just got to give this one to Kansas. I think that the home crowd uh, will, you know, will feed into that. You know, Kansas' defense uh, has been very sloppy the last uh, couple of weeks. You know, they started off the season strong. It was looking like a, a rebuild on the defensive side. So, you know, Texas is getting the nine points. I think at the very least, Kansas will cover that. But in the end, I'm going to go with the outright upset. I'm going to go with the Jayhawks in this one in a high, in a high scoring battle. It'll be close. I'll go uh, 35 to 34. They get the one point victory. Always that one point victory over Texas uh, that makes it sting just a little bit more for those Longhorns fans. Uh, but moving from the Big 12 to the Big 10, a couple of good ones here in the Big 10 this week. Uh, And the first one being Illinois, they're traveling to Ann Arbor to face off against Michigan. Michigan is currently the number three team in the country there uh, for you guys watching. But, uh, you know, this is an intriguing game for me, I think, because Illinois has a loss to Purdue last week. Uh, It's a tough loss, but Michigan hasn't seen this team since the revamped uh, fighting Illini team. So, I'm not sure if they know what's going on Um, from Illinois standpoint. I think that this can definitely be a trap game. I know I picked the upset on sports scramble, you know, for uh, our upset picks. Uh, I think Illinois, you know, 
all jokes aside, I think Illinois actually can compete in this game. You know, I think weather is a big impact uh, for this game. So I think it can be a really close game. Uh, I did pick the upset on Sports Crimble here uh, on there, but I think on here uh, I'll take Michigan at home. Uh, but I think it's only a touchdown victory in this, to be honest with you. I, I think it is a low-scoring game. It's going to be tough to move the football in this one. Battle in the trenches will be tough. Uh, so I'm probably going to go 28 to 25 in this one, uh, you know, because Illinois is home of the wacky scores. So uh, I, I'll give Michigan the three-point victory at home. Yeah, this is going to be the battle of the running game. So if you're looking for some elite passing, this is not the game uh, for you. You know, Chase Brown, I know – uh, went out for injury, but there's reports that he's going to be good to go, and that's definitely good news if you're fighting a Illini fan. I mean, if Chase Brown doesn't play in this one, it's going to be a Michigan route. It's just they don't even need to show up at that rate. But on Michigan's side, you can't really look past uh, Illinois in this one. You know, they got a sneaky good defense. And, you know, they if you can't stop them on the ground, they can just, you know, control the time of possession. You know, it would be like a three-to-nothing game at the half. They love to just play, you know, 1980s uh, Big Ten football over there in Illinois, but on Michigan side, they've really been rolling over. You know, I know that they struggled against Rutgers, but in the end, the, the final scores show that they were definitely a better football team uh, than Rutgers. But I, I just can't really figure out Illinois in this one, so I can't really put uh, my, my you know, my trust and my pick in, them, in this one. So I think that Michigan, this is where they flex their muscle before that big game in Columbus. I think Michigan has won pretty convincingly. I'll go 35 to 10 in the big house. Yeah, I think you make a good point there. You know, is Michigan looking ahead in this one? You know, and also that being Michigan struggled in the first half last week against Rutgers, uh, and that was ugly. I mean, it was an ugly struggle uh, for Michigan's offense. And, and I, I think Illinois will probably be watching the tape uh, from that to see what they can take advantage of in Michigan early on in this game because like a lot of other teams, uh, at the top of the rankings right now, Michigan is one of those teams that struggled to get started in football games. Uh, and I think that Illinois probably wants to take advantage of that right off the bat. They've got nothing to lose against the number three team in the country. And I think that gives them a little bit of an edge uh, in that. But, you know, it'll be a great game to watch and I'll be watching that. I'm sure you will be, uh, you know, glancing back and forth at it. Uh, but at the other game in the Big Ten The Iowa Hawkeyes are headed to Minnesota to face off against the Golden Gophers. Uh, I think this is going to be an interesting game because of the way the Big Ten West, you know, like we mentioned, is stacked right now in the sense of everybody, not stacked as in everybody's good. Everybody is about the same level of good and bad uh, because – Everybody's right there within a game, it feels like. So I think this is a good opportunity for Iowa to get a win on the road because uh, they've got a great defense. Minnesota has struggled to score the ball. Uh, is Tanner Morgan back? I'm not sure. It's not looking like it. I think he's probably out for the rest of the year. Um, so they are rolling with a true freshman at quarterback. I know they're at home, but this is an Iowa defense that hasn't skipped a beat, really, even though offensively they're having problems. I mean, their defense can score more points and uh, looks better on offense than their offense does. So I I think uh, I'm going to take the Hawkeyes to win this on the road. Maybe a close football game here. Uh, I'm going to go with a low-scoring one. Uh, I think it's going to be 21-10, to and I'll take Iowa. Yeah, I think this is just a for sure bet that this is going to be, you know, one of the lower scoring games of the weekend. Two 
of the best defenses uh, in the Big Ten. Like you mentioned, you know, Tanner Morgan is going to be questionable going into this game. We don't know if he's going to play. You know, Minnesota's offense just just looks, you know, completely different. You know, both of these schools like to to like to run the ball. You know, like like to control the time of possession. These are just the two prototypical Big Ten teams. So uh, I'm going to go with Iowa. I just think that their defense has been playing uh, lights out. You know, Iowa started off the season, you know, very slow, very yellow on offense. You know, they still are. You know, I'm not saying that like over time that you know they're just just the best, uh, but they did get some. Uh, on the, on the week so it would just be an Iowa thing you know they they sucked at the start of the year then they just find themselves in Indianapolis that would just be a complete Iowa thing to do so I think that Iowa wins this game I think it will be close uh, just because uh, the road environment is going to be probably in the 20s uh, in Minnesota like it always is uh, in these months uh, but I'm going to go 17 to 14 in favor of the Hawkeyes yeah another low scoring one there predicted for you uh but yeah i i know more than uh, 10 points it Are seems we strange three defensive touchdowns yeah it honestly oh well i don't think three i probably you get at least one i would say i give them one on a on a pick six or a strip sack yeah. uh or something like that for a fumble recovery i think that's an ultimate possibility uh, but their offense is going to have to step up eventually and score at least one touchdown for them to win this football game. Uh, but moving away from the Big Ten, we'll go out west to the Pac-12. Uh, a great games here in the Pac-12. I mean, the Pac-12 is the conference to watch this weekend. For everybody out there watching college football, watch the Pac-12. Uh, this is great here because uh, USC is traveling right down the road. They're going to get in their little their little scooters and go down the road to UCLA uh, to face off against the Bruins. Uh, this is a great game. And, and I circled this at the beginning of the year, and I said this is going to be a really big game when we get towards the end of the year. And it is. Um, both teams are right there uh, looking down the barrel of an opportunity to go to the Pac-12 championship. So, uh, you know, USC is at number seven. They're kind of just hanging around. You know, it's one of those things where their only loss is an overtime loss. Uh, to Utah, you know, it it's tough, you know, that that, that happened because I think that they know their playoff chances are probably dashed um, if they can't win the rest of their games and something happens with the committee and they consider them to be that fourth team to come in because uh, it's going to be them or Tennessee at the end of the day. I feel like that they're going to be, you know, flipping the coin and see who makes it there. Um, but I think Tennessee's loss uh, is tough. I, I think it's a it's a big loss. To Georgia, I mean, it speaks volumes for USC that they only lost by one point uh, at the end of a at the end of a you know, overtime. But uh, this one here, I feel like UCLA has still something left in the tank. I mean, with Zach Charbonnet at the running back and uh, DTR at quarterback, I just feel I still feel like they have something left in the tank, and I feel like they're saving it up for this game. Um, I mean, if UCLA can get the running game going. I think this game is over in the first half. That's one of those things where these games are either really close or they are blowouts. Uh, so I'm going to take UCLA at home over USC. Uh, I think they win by a touchdown in this one. I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, but I'm going to go 38-31, and I'll take the Bruins. Yeah, I mean, looking at these two offenses is completely different. You know, I know that UCLA loves to run the ball with Charbonnet, but DTR – uh, can also, you know, beat you through the air. You know, USC, you know, Caleb Williams is getting all the hype of, of being in the Heisman contention. You know, Jordan Addison, the, the addition of him 
has really been phenomenal for the offense. Well, these two defenses are probably one of the two worst uh, in the Pac-12. They can't really stop anybody. I know that like, USC is coming off of a game where they only allowed 14 points to Colorado, but college football fans know uh, you know how bad Colorado has been. Uh, but UCLA, on the other hand, coming off of uh, an embarrassing loss at home uh, to Arizona, you know they were still. You know I know that they were number 12, but I feel like if you run the table, and you know especially if you beat USC at home, you know if you uh, you know the winner of that Utah Oregon game that we'll be talking about. But these are probably the two hardest games uh, on the slate uh, to pick this week. But I'm going to go with USC on the road. I think that USC uh, is going to be a very uh, good game, you know, back and forth battle for four quarters. Uh, I'll definitely be tuned into these uh, two Pac-12 games. I don't think it's like as nine as it, as late as it is. I think both of these games are seven and six thirty. So in the end, I'm going to go with USC in the Santa Rosa rivalry game. I'm going to give them the 41 to 38 win. I think there's going to be a lot of points. So take the over in this one. Yeah, definitely. And that one, uh, Tyler, giving you a little bit of betting insight there for those that want to put a little money down, or as we say, sprinkle a little money down <laughs> on uh, on this upcoming weekend's games. Uh, to the other game in the Pac-12 there, number 10, Utah. They've returned back to number 10. Can you believe it, Tyler? No, they I have feel now... like that, that's a team that we're all talking about USC, always talking about Oregon, but no one's talking about poor old Utah. You know, they, they're lost to Florida on the road and, and then uh, their other loss. Uh, what was their other loss? I can't even, Oh, was it UCLA? Yeah, it was UCLA. They got UCLA uh, really put up a good showing against them. Yeah. And you know, the Utah Utes are headed uh, to Eugene, Oregon for, the, for another game, home game for Oregon. Uh, it'll probably be crappy weather once again, as it normally is. Uh, but, you know, I think the story of this is is that these two games, the winner of these two games could ultimately determine who plays against each other in the Pac-12 championship. Yeah. I mean, you really could get either a UCLA and Utah rematch for the Pac-12 championship in Las Vegas. You could get a USC and Oregon game, a USC and Utah rematch again. Uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there to see what happens uh, for some of these teams, because, I mean, these really are the top four teams in the Pac-12 uh, looking at it right now. So I think the biggest storyline is, is, is Oregon realistically going to lose two games at home back-to-back? I don't see it happening. I mean, that's the only reason. I'm looking at analytics in this, and I, I just feel like or there's no way Oregon loses two games at home back-to-back. So I'm going to take the Ducks at home. Um Sets up for a good one uh, for me, at least. I've got UCLA and Oregon playing in uh, the Pac-12 championship, you know, based on all that. Uh, but I think that I think it'll be interesting to see uh, that Utah and Oregon game. I just feel like if Cam Rising is a veteran quarterback, Bo Nix is considered a veteran quarterback at this point. Um, it's talking about who's going to be able to move the ball better. I mean, I don't think it's going to be about who's going to score a ton of points to open the game. It's all going to be about who's going to be able to bounce the offense and move the ball. Uh, and I think Oregon will be able to do that at home. So I'll give them the three-point victory. I think it'll be a little lower scoring than we normally see from big, big games. Uh, so I'm going to go uh, 31-28, and uh, the Ducks somehow hang on at home. <laughs> And Chet adds, USC equals University of Switching Colleges because half of their teams in the transfer portal. Actually, I lied. It is actually the Oregon-Utah game is actually a, a traditional Pac-12 after dark, 930. So 
I guess uh, we're all going to be staying up till uh, midnight or one because it's definitely going to be a game that I'll I'll be watching uh, for sure. But yeah, like you mentioned, I I know it's tough. You know, looking at this game, you know, Utah has been you know one of the the scorching teams. You know, after that UCLA game, they've just been beating teams uh, left and right. They've been doing it behind Cam Rising as well. So I know that both of us, you know, that we are very high on this Utah team. You know, coming off that terrific season last year, winning the Pac-12 against the same Oregon team. But you forgot to mention, Utah owns Oregon in the past two seasons. So I think that the Ducks, I know that they lost last week. I think they lose again. I think that Utah, I'm going to ride with Cam Rising in the offense. I think that it could be a defensive battle. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, both offenses struggle in the first half. But in the end, I think that they, like the winner will get into the 30s. So I'm going to go with the same exact score as you. I'll go Utah 31-28, just flip the winner. So I'm going to go with the Utes. Tyler's rolling with the Utes. I'm rolling with the Ducks. It'll be a tough one here. We both picked opposite teams in the Pac-12 game, so it'll be great to watch some of these games this weekend. I know we'll both be uh, eyes glued to the TV uh, to see what happens in these late games. Uh, But moving from the Pac-12, we're going back to the South again for the SEC. Uh, A couple of good ones here. I mean, here's the real question, Tyler. For those, you know, watching the show right now, you've got number one Georgia headed to – Kentucky and you've got Ole Miss headed to Fayetteville to face off against Arkansas. Are either of these teams on upset alert? Uh, I would feel like the team on the right is more inclined because Kentucky just lost to Vanderbilt who uh, had a SEC losing streak of 26 games. So the way that Kentucky offense has, has been rolling going up against, you know, the best defense in the, in the country. I feel like Kentucky probably has no shot in that first game. Yeah, I, I think Georgia is going to be able to roll pretty easily in this one. Uh, Kentucky just doesn't look right, uh, and they haven't since that loss at Ole Miss. Uh, they just don't look like the same team. At quarterback, they look different. Will Levis doesn't look like the guy he has been, uh, and the guy that Mel Kuyper has been, Todd McShay have been talking about, you know, all beginning of the season, and I know you had a gripe with that in last night's show on Sports Scramble, you know. I'll save it for tonight's show. Yeah, and I, yeah, I know you talked a little bit about how he's, you know, basically a fraud at this point to be a first-round pick uh, in the NFL draft, and I and I have to agree with you in that. You know, I think Will Levis had his opportunities. Uh, it was kind of the future of Penn State, you know, and decided to go separate ways and, and go to the SEC to see what could happen. Uh, and they look good for a year, and, you know, it doesn't look like uh, the same team, you know, the Kentucky team that can go in and upset somebody uh, on a given weekend. Uh, it's, Chet said Kentucky's got to get it done. Yeah, he's got. They got to get it done he's for Chet. Didn't even pick Kentucky to win. Kentucky's got to get it done for Chet's college football playoff predictions to happen uh, because Georgia looks like the the number one team right now, and uh, Chet's got to hope Kentucky can win a football game uh, for Georgia not to be number one in the country. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, Georgia wins this one, forty-five to fourteen. I think it's a blowout, uh, even though it is in Kentucky. Uh, just too much firepower from Georgia, as usual. Yeah, the problem with Kentucky's offense, you know, if Chris Rodriguez Jr. can be effective on the ground, then they're they're pretty much it's a it's a it's a ball game. I mean, Will Levis has really struggled in the past couple of weeks, especially against Vanderbilt. Didn't even. Find the end zone once uh, through the air. He had a, a late interception that really sealed the deal. And Georgia has been playing like, you know, a team that I don't really see anyone on, on the, especially in the regular season. We'll see if anyone in the postseason can knock them off. Uh, but I'm going to go Georgia in this one. I think 
they blow the doors uh, off of Kentucky. I'll go 42 to seven. I, I think that Kentucky will struggle on offense against Georgia. I think it's a route uh, as Georgia will end this season 12 and 0 because they got Georgia Tech next week, and that will be a cakewalk. Yeah, I think uh, it's just a tune-up game for them for for the playoff and uh, what's to come for the SEC championship game against LSU in a couple of weeks. Uh, but for Ole Miss, they're headed to Fayetteville. Uh, you know, Arkansas in a tough game battle against LSU this past week. Uh, Ole Miss couldn't squeak it out like we talked about earlier uh, against Alabama. They don't fall very far. I mean, they're only at 14 right now. You know, playoff rankings do come out tomorrow uh, evening. But I think uh, the story is, is that Arkansas is running with a third-string quarterback. They got nothing to lose. They know where they stand. Uh, and I think they can win this football game, to be honest with you. I think Ole Miss can lose back-to-back football games, and I think this is an opportunity for Arkansas uh, to leapfrog a, a couple of teams uh, over there in the SEC West. And, and I think that uh, this is an opportunity for them. It's an opportunity for another quarterback to show up and say, hey, look, maybe it's not all what is cut, cut out to be you know, for Sam Pittman and his decision you know, for K.J. Jefferson. I know a lot of what's talked about is KJ Jefferson probably ready to go for this week. Uh, but I, I don't know what's going to happen. They might rest him. It just doesn't seem wise for him to go back in. Um, at this stage of, of the season, I just feel like get your younger guys some experience at this point and, and roll with it. And that's kind of what I think this game should be. Uh, if Arkansas can move the ball on the ground and in the air, their defense looked great last week. Uh, I think they take this game pretty easily. I'm going to go 27 to 17. I think that uh, the Hogs get it done. Yeah, for Ole Miss, you know, with all the Lane Kiffin news swirling around, he's going to go to Auburn. He's going to go to Nebraska. Or is he going to stay in Ole Miss? You know, how's you know the mindset of that team is going to be? You know, you have two losses. Really, I mean, you can still have an outside shot to go into a New Year's Six bowl game. The problem is there's too many SEC teams uh, in front of you. They don't really have the head head against him. So we'll probably see Ole Miss in one of the Florida Bowl games. Uh, maybe we see an Ole Miss-Penn State matchup in the Reliant Quest or the Citrus Bowl. Who knows? Uh, but I think, uh, you know, on the other side, you know, like you mentioned, K.J. Jefferson's availability is going to be the storyline as it always been for the past two weeks. You know, Arkansas's defense played the best game uh, of the year. You know, their past defense has been struggling. They gave up 40 points uh, to Mississippi State. Auburn was able to pass it all over them as well. But I think that, you know, Arkansas wasn't able to win uh, last week's uh, game against LSU. You know, Raheem Sanders, you know, was really bogged down against LSU's defensive line. I think that this week Raheem Sanders will be able to be unleashed against Ole Miss's uh, deep rush defense. Uh, that hasn't been so great. Uh, you know, Alabama was able to run on them. LSU was able to run on them. So, unlike you, you know, I know that you picked Illinois, your upset pick. You ended up picking Michigan. I picked Arkansas as my upset pick. I'm actually going to go – all the way, call the Hogs. I think that Arkansas gets it done. This is always close. There's always some wacky play that happens as well. So it wouldn't surprise me if it's like a fake field goal for a touchdown to win the game or something like that. But I think that Arkansas wins this one uh, 35 to 31. I'm going to go with the Hogs at home. Tyler's going with the woo. <laughs> so he's rolling with the Hogs. Like Both roll with the Hogs. Yeah, so uh, moving from the SEC, we'll go to the Group of Five game of the week. Uh, a good one here in the state of Mississippi. Uh, Hattiesburg, to be exact, only about an hour away from me here. 
my school will be going, uh, that is South Alabama, will be headed to Hattiesburg to face off against Southern Miss. Uh, there'll be a lot of friendly face, uh, familiar and friendly faces at this game. A lot of family ties in this match. Yes, <laughs> a lot of family ties here in in this matchup here. Of course, Southern Miss being a new addition to the Sun Belt brings this rivalry alive uh, for some families and uh, friends down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Uh, so I think the story of this game is South Alabama is a way different team than what most people expected them to be, like we've said week to week. Big win last week. Uh, you know, a good win against a, a Texas State team that struggled. Um, so South Alabama stands at eight and two, uh, which is amazing. <laughs> I think it's almost laughable to think about it that way. It, it just seems so strange. It's like a TCU story, uh, but you know they're just not undefeated. South Alabama had every chance to be an undefeated team this year uh, so far. I mean, you're one, you're one point loss to UCLA. Uh, you know, really is tough. And it still looks like a really good loss because they're ranked number 16 I in the mean, country. You know, let's be uh, real. Like they're like, what, like three, four points away from being an undefeated team and, and being in the top 15. Mm-hmm. They, they really are. I mean, you're very close loss to a terrible uh, night against Troy. I mean, Troy is still sitting at the top of the division because they're also eight and two. It just seems like they match each other shot for shot every year. If they both suck, if one team sucks, they both suck. Uh, if one team's good, the other team's good. That's what it seems like now. It's going to be a battle like that uh, in that side of the division. But I think uh, for this game here, I think South Alabama gets it done pretty easily against Southern Miss. Uh, it's basically another home game. It's only about an hour and a half uh, to two-hour ride up to Hattiesburg. So I, I think that uh, South Alabama take care- takes care of business in this one. I'm going to go 37-10. to 10. Um, I know it's an interesting point margin there, but you know, it's Sunbelt football. Uh, so, you know, Sunbelt fun belt. And, uh, I think South Alabama gets it done. And as Chet mentions, uh, this game is also on the NFL network, which is sad to me. I don't catch the NFL network. So hope I can, I can find a way to watch this game because this like, you know, the Mississippi Gulf coast matchup, you know, kudos to the Sunbelt, you know, they, you know, unlike the big 10, you know, Let's just get some teams from like the big, you know, the all the way on the West Coast. Sunbelt does it right. They got a Southern Miss in here. I think this is going to be the next great robbery uh, in that division. You know, first South Alabama, like you mentioned, you know, they went from, you know, being a dumpster fire last year to being eight and two. The same for Tulane. Tulane, you know, last year was two and ten as well. Now they're they're eight and two. So South Alabama, they definitely need to win this game. There's still an outside shot for them that they can win the division. They would just need a Troy loss. I thought that it was going to happen uh, a couple of weeks ago against Louisiana, but I think that you know I they thought it was people. I thought it was going to happen this past weekend. Only one by one point against a terrible Army team. You won well, ten to nine. They have to, their one loss has to be in the Sun Belt, and Army is an independent, so that really sure wouldn't yeah, really but done still. anything. But there is still an outside shot. I'm I'm hoping that South Alabama can make it to the New New Orleans Bowl. If they do. I'm definitely going to that game 100%. I'm going to, like, text up my sister, let's go, because I have family <laughs> ties to South Alabama, so I can't go against that. So, uh, sorry, Southern Miss. It's going to be all Jags. So, I'm going to go 35-21. Uh, to 21. I think that Southern Miss offense will be able to score, but I feel like every time I watch South Alabama, they're always getting an interception. So, I feel like their defense will rise to the occasion, and then Caleb Bradley uh, will be able to get the job done. So, I'm going to go uh, with the Jags. Yeah, I think it's going to be a battle of the running game in that one. Uh, 
Oh yeah. Uh, but we're both rolling with the Jags in that one. Shouldn't uh, be a shocker. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Uh and of course, you know what's up next, guys. It is our AP top twenty five risers and followers. Of course, we do our show on Monday, so you know we don't have our college football rankings out just yet. Uh but of course this segment is sponsored by Fanatics. If you guys want to head over there and get all of your team gear, there's only two regular season games left in college football season. Uh, so you better get it now because, I mean, there's a lot of good games coming up in the next two weeks. Uh, so if you guys want to go over there and get some gear, you guys can use our link in our, dis- our uh, show description there. Of course, if you're watching, you see it there. Uh, but head over to Fanatics, get all your team gear tyler what is the code today it's probably the same as yesterday if i yeah, had it's the same as yesterday but i'll be interested to see when we go live next week because i'll be thanksgiving week and i'm sure they'll have some black uh friday deals so we'll definitely uh, give out all the codes uh uh that week uh, so they have some good stuff uh as always but i feel like you know whenever like definitely if you want some christmas gifts it would definitely be next week uh, during you know the black friday and then the cyber monday so because i'm sure that will also be live on cyber monday so that'll be helpful e-commerce shopper so uh that is the code uh, for today rose yeah uh, you have six hours and 58 minutes but don't you worry fanatics uh, runs uh daily deals so you can use our link there help us out absolutely you guys can do some cyber monday shopping while you're all listening to the show at the yeah, same time absolutely. it's a good opportunity to support us support yourself support your team and everybody it's a win 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 uh right there so if you guys want to head over there and get all your team gear you can do that at fanatics uh, Tyler, our AP top 25 risers and followers who, first of all, you know, we love to talk about our risers first, uh, you know, and who we think is, is a really good team that's rose up the ranks for the week based on a win or another team's loss. Uh, so that's a nice thing about top 25, but, uh, Tyler, who is your AP riser of the week? Well, you know, I love to give a shout out to the group of five uh, every week in this. I'm going to go with the Liberty flames. They went from number 19 to being unranked and, from one week, they go like high on the pedestal. Who freeze goes on the road back to SEC country. They beat Arkansas 21 to 19. They were up 21 to nothing in that game. And then the next week, what do they do? They lose to UConn on the road. I mean, UConn, it's been a great story. They were absolutely so, terrible. So you're giving so you're giving your follower first, correct? Yes, I'm giving my follower okay. first. Okay. Uh so you know, UConn was absolutely terrible the first couple of weeks and now all of a sudden they're bowl eligible and who would have thought they have like a better record than some of these teams that were ranked in the preseason top 25 uh, poll so i gotta give it uh, to liberty still a good football team but you just can't lose a game like that on the road especially after beating an sec team like that yeah and for me uh my team for the faller has to be Texas, uh, a bad loss at home. You were expected to win this game. You were a five-point favorite at home against a really good TCU team, and you got beat by seven, uh, you know, and you couldn't really muster up any offense other than a scoop and score at the end of the game to score 10 points. I mean, couldn't even get in the end zone on offense, which is pretty sad. We're remotely close. Uh, so Texas looks like they are falling apart slowly, and, of course, I picked against them. Uh, this week, we I think we both picked the Jayhawks, uh, yeah. you know, this week. And uh, I, I think that, you know, the whole Texas is back thing is going to have to wait for another year uh, because Texas and Texas A&M have the same story every single season. Oh, well, Texas A&M is ranked in the top 10. Well, they might be a really good team this year. And then 
they suck. And then you've got Texas. Well, Texas is back. They won three games. Oh, my God. Oh, Miami makes a good coaching hire, and then they're not even in the top 25. <laughs> Just like all these teams. Like, I feel like we just need to do away the preseason polls because in the end it doesn't matter. The only polls that matter are the college football playoff rankings. So might as well just yeah. not even have a, a poll during that time and just wait till, you know, the first week of November and just use that. Like, doesn't even matter. Like, like don't even put any rank versus rank matches because in the end, like I mentioned, like the college football playoff rankings are the rankings. Yeah, and it brings me to another point. Do we think that there really should be rankings at all until we get to like halfway through the season or to a certain point in the season? I just feel like it it doesn't make any sense to do that. All it does is cause more stress and anxiety, not only for fans, but for If you really think about it, the preseason polls, they really base it on what you did last year and then they're recruiting. We like give an example. I know that we rag about Texas A&M, but it's just really the truth. I mean, they had the number one recruiting class, you know, it pretty much didn't lose anybody to the NFL draft. You know, they really lost uh, some key pieces on defense and offensive line. But, you know, this was supposed to be a team, you know, they were picked like to finish second, you know, be the team to, to you know, contend in the SEC West against Alabama. Here they are, you know, in last place to, in the SEC, not even going to make it to a bowl game. So I feel like, you know, for that scenario, preseason bowls, just do away with them. Don't even rank teams until you get into the October month. That's really when it ma- starts to matter. Uh, so yeah, I just feel like, you know, I'm sure that I'm not the only one. I've definitely heard a lot of people say that, that the preseason polls are dumb. Uh, but yeah, in the end, I honestly, I only care about the, the CFP rankings. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I feel like we should just wait for the college football rankings to come out in the AP, AP top 25 really doesn't matter, uh, in the grand scheme of things at the end of the season. Cause we do away with it. Um, you know, as soon as, as soon as the college football rankings come out, is it a good baseline? Sure. It's a good baseline. Uh, but we also, you know, you and I have also said, let's make let's make these people in the committee room actually work for their money. Um, and I think that's a good opportunity for them to work for their money. Yeah. You know, square one, you know, here are the good teams, here are the bad teams. Let's put our top 25 or, our, you know, our top 25 playoff rankings together. Because, I mean, that's all what everybody shoots for at the end of the day. And then you can base that off of, you know, your bowls and, and everything else. But got off topic for a second. But moving to the risers, Tyler, who is your riser? in the top 25 i'm gonna head out west uh you know they they got me the dub in my upset pick i'm gonna go with the huskies of washington moving all the way up to nine spots to number 15 i think i wouldn't be surprised if they made that big of a jump in tomorrow night's rankings uh later rankings tomorrow since they have the state farm champions classic it'll actually be eight o'clock central so it's a it's a late one uh, for us at nine o'clock on the east coast uh but i think you know looking at uh you know washington i think that they're gonna go 10 and 2 they have one in eight, one in nine, Colorado this week. I think they get it done. You watched him looking at it, thirty-one point favor. I think they get the job done. And I think uh, on the road in the Apple Cup, usually they dominate that series. So you think that Washington is going to be t- uh, ten and two? I think they need a little chaos to happen for them to sneak in, uh, since uh, their one loss uh, is to, to UCLA, uh, and the other uh, is to let me see who else uh, Arizona State so yeah they need uh someone to lose uh, so they're probably rooting for actually UCLA to lose but that really wouldn't help their case so realistically probably Washington won't make it uh, to the Pac-12 championship but they could still make it to a very good bowl game uh so really good season for Washington uh so far especially with the transfer coming in really no expectations that they had you know really, really no one thought that Washington was going to be good but Look, this is realistically looking like a 10-win team, so they're definitely easily my riser of the week. 
Yeah, and for me, I think my riser of the week uh, is going to be UCF. Uh, they got a good win against the Tulane team uh, that looks that's looked really good this year. Uh, you know, UCF has a couple of losses on their schedule. You know, first one on the road at East Carolina, a game that they had no business losing. Uh, that they lost. You know, they scored seventy points the week before against Temple, and then they lose to a East Carolina team the next week, which is terrible. Uh, you know, and of course, you know they bounce back after their week two loss. Uh, at home against Louisville in the bounce house. So I, I just feel like uh, UCF has started to figure it out here and there. Uh, you've got two ranked wins in the last three weeks. Uh, first one coming against Cincinnati uh, when you're at home, and the second one coming on the road at Tulane. Uh, so you got Navy in South Florida finish the season out. Realistically, they could win out the rest of their schedule uh, and only be a two-loss team at the end of it all, which is crazy to think. Uh but you know, after the year that they've had and the roller coaster ride, uh, they really should be a ten and one team. To be honest with you, uh, I think that you know they lost that Louisville game because Louisville was a better team, uh, and that one is only a six point loss. But there's no reason, zero reason to lose uh, to a bad team, uh, you know, late in the season. So I think that uh, them moving up five spots to seventeen from twenty two. Uh, is good for them, gets them in good quality position for a bowl game uh, once the season closes out. Uh, But, you know, Tyler, our last part of our show, of course, is always our question and our news. But, of course, you know, we've always got a curveball for you guys, and the first one being it's a new sponsor. And the new sponsor is Yeti for our – news and question segment uh yeti is offering sh- free shipping on all orders over 50 dollars. so if you guys want to go over there and get all your cooler drinkware and luggage needs uh for any adventure you're going on i'm taking a little flight uh here close to thanksgiving time and i might try out some yeti stuff uh, for that so if you guys want to use our link in our show there uh and uh Go get you something for the holidays. Go get somebody something for the holidays. I'm sure we'll have uh, a lot of Cyber Monday deals, of course, with Yeti to throw at you guys. Uh, so they've always got some high durability stuff there. Uh, said I said to myself, I need me a dog because let me tell you what, their dog bowls are like freaking industrial. I could throw them off a cliff and that <laughs> thing wouldn't have a dent in it. Uh, and it, <laughs> they have some cool stuff, some cool, uh, you know, cups and everything. And I hold on to those. I, I take one with me almost every day. Uh, so it's one of those things, but if you guys want to go over there and get all the cool little trinkets and things that Yeti has to offer, uh, and of course you get free shipping on all those over $50. So check that out. Uh, talent moving to our news and question. Uh, you know, first thing is the news. Uh, I'll let you take it away. Cause you kind of are the news guy and, uh, here, the news anchor for this. Yeah, really nothing news uh, for uh, the second straight week. You know, we had Kansas becoming bowl eligible. And the next week, we have UConn of all teams becoming bowl eligible for the first time since the 2015 season. So we're going to have some new teams, new faces in this bowl season. So that's really good uh, for the college uh, football season. Um, you know, I don't really see Vanderbilt getting a bowl eligibility since they had to face off against Tennessee uh, in the next two weeks and they had to play uh, Florida as well. So we probably won't see another like Cinderella story, but really good win uh, for this past week. And we talked about it. They beat Liberty at home. Uh, Jim Moore has done a terrific program uh, builder. You know, he built a really good program at UCLA. And then the last couple of years uh, really fell off. Uh, but 
Got to give it uh, to those UConn Huskies. Uh, it, it would definitely be interesting to see where they go and who they face off against. Yeah, it'll be great for them. Uh, congratulations to UConn uh, in uh, moving up there. For the second week in a row, we have a congratulations statement. Yay! Uh, so uh, congratulations to Kansas and UConn for both becoming bowl eligible uh, in the last two weeks here. Uh, and of course, that brings us to our question to close out our show. Uh, and speaking of the group of five, uh, which group of five team will reach a New Year's Six Bowl, Tyler? Who do you think is that team that could possibly crack a New Year's Six Bowl and be there once the holidays come around? Well, to give uh, our viewers an idea, num- the highest ranked uh, group of five right now in the AP poll is number 17, UCF. Then you have number 21, Tulane. 22 is Cincinnati, and 23 is Coastal Carolinas. And interesting thing is UCF, uh, I feel like looking at their schedule, undefeated uh, the rest of the way. They have uh, Navy, 3-7. and seven. You know, Navy played Notre Dame close, so uh, we could see, you know, maybe Navy pulls off an upset, really shakes it up. And then they travel to South uh, Florida, the annual battle for I-4. But South Florida is not the South Florida as usual. They're 1-9. So I feel like UCF is going to, They've already clinched. You know, they do have a head-to-head, not only against Cincinnati, but against Tulane as well. So UCF, I think, in my opinion, has already clinched uh, an American Conference Championship. Now, the interesting thing about the other two, Tulane and Cincinnati, they both play each other, at, uh, and it's on the road in Cincinnati. So I think that Cincinnati will beat them. So I think that Tulane is eliminated. And the, so there will probably be another Cincinnati and UCF rematch. Now, here's the deal. UCF beat Cincinnati. I think what happens, Cincinnati comes back and beats UCF. It's very hard uh, to do that. And then you have Coastal just sitting in the water. The Teal is going to make it to a New Year's Six Bowl game, baby. The Shants go to the Cotton Bowl to face off probably against one of the bigger teams. And we'll see if they can – maybe they face off against an Alabama. Who knows? (laughs) I know. I just thought about that. But, you know, now that you say that, I really thought about that. Yeah, uh, you know, the last time we really saw something like that happen was Penn State and Memphis face off against each other in the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, uh, and that was an interesting. Go, we saw Western Michigan versus Wisconsin. I mean, we've mm-hmm. seen uh, some of these smaller schools face off. I mean, they played them well, but in the end, Power 5 flex their muscle. But if Coastal gets in, they have the offense to contend with someone. Yeah. And... like, what if a Clem- – I feel like if Clemson versus Coastal, man, what a battle that would be. It would be the battle for South Carolina, but – I think that would be like their best chance to pull off like a major upset. Yeah, I think it really is. And I'm going to go with Coastal Carolina as well. Uh, I think they really have a chance. They're nine and one right now. They have every chance in the world to finish at 11 and one uh, in another great season for them. And like we've said, I said, you know, Coastal Carolina's head coach really could be the next one to come out of the group of five and be that next uh, really good turnaround coach for for a team that's struggling in the power five so i I think that uh for coastal it's a it's a good spot for them to be in uh and i think that they can play against the team uh like alabama there um there's i mean there's a number of teams there to pick from that they could play against uh once it comes around you know once everything finishes out i can see them playing against an old miss team uh you know i could see them play against uh a North Carolina team. It, there's a lot of options there uh, for that. So we'll see what happens and what comes around. Uh, so great, great uh, picks for both of us 
as a group of five team there. Of course, it is in the Sun Belt. We kind of give our Sun Belt some love. They're on the rise, uh, and they're right there at clipping at people's heels. Uh, so I think be on the lookout for them. I think in the next couple of years, we could see two or three Sun Belt teams, you know, in the lower part of the top 25. You know, and really try to, you know, at that point, we'll be talking about the 12 team playoff. Uh, you know, and if the team can squeak into that, you know, 12th spot as a group of five team, you know, it really means a lot for those programs uh, moving forward. So great for, for them, great for us, because uh, more to talk about outside of the group of five or outside of the power five, because we love talking about the group of five. Uh, but uh, that is going to be all for our show, guys. Uh, we're getting close to our normal time, you know, that we, we finish up so uh, right on schedule. But uh, of course, if you guys want to see any more content from us two or any uh, any other show that we have uh, on Sunday nights, we do record uh, Sports Scramble, and that is live on uh, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, of course, we have the audio that does come out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it, uh, and that's on Sunday nights. And of course, that's with our co-host Chet and Wade. Uh, so we can see you guys on that show on Sunday nights to talk about all things sports, uh, not just only college football. On Mondays, you guys can catch us normally at 3 o'clock uh, like we were today, and we will talk about college football. That's what we do best, Tyler. Uh, and, of course, on Tuesday nights normally you can catch SEC Talk with Wade and Tyler, but, of course, they're on tonight. Yeah. Uh, they pushed their show up a few hours away. ahead. A few hours away. So if you guys want to see all things SEC football uh, coming up on SEC Talk, uh, you guys can head over there because they'll have some hot takes there uh, on what's happening late in the season. Uh, but, of course, also, I have to close it out with saying uh, we are a part of a new network, and that is Belly Up Sports. So if you guys want to check out all of the shows over on Belly Up Sports, uh, it would be much appreciated for all of them and for us uh, as we grow with this new network. Uh, it uh, It's a great opportunity not only for us but for them. Uh, and we look to connecting with more of you guys uh, through new networks. And that's what it is. It's all about meeting uh, new people for us and connecting and spreading the word out there uh, and growing our show as much as possible in support uh, for you guys in all of your love of the fandom of the sport of football. Uh, so we will see you guys, of course, for the last week of uh, college football. And Tyler, it's going to be a really good one. We'll be talking about it. it's going to be sad, though. Because the last hey, regular we still season, got conference championship and bowl week, yep. so it's not over we still, yet. Guys, we're going to be talking about football until the first week of January. So there'll be plenty of, yeah, there'll be plenty of time to talk about college yeah. football. And of course, once the season ends, we're talking about next season right away. Right. Uh, and of course, you guys can hear all things uh, coming up to close the season out on Mondays from us at three o'clock. We will see you guys next week at three o'clock on Monday uh, for all things college football.